BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. All righty, here we are back together again for another episode of Brace for Impact. I am your host, Nick Jeevis, and what a wonderful day it is. On today's episode, we're going to be speaking with Michael Seifert. He's the CEO and founder of a company called Public Square. And you can find him at publicsquare, that's P-U-B-L-I-C-S-Q dot com. And it's something very interesting. I didn't know about this until I interviewed Michael for an internet story for an article. And Public Square is basically an internet source, it's a website, that allows consumers to filter through companies that align with their personal values. So, for instance, if you didn't like that Dylan Mulvaney spot on the Bud Light advertisements that everyone's been talking about, and you want to find a new beer company, this could be the website for you. If you were a member of Silicon Valley Bank before it collapsed from doubling down on woke investments and social justice projects, this might be the website for you. And if you're tired of bowing and kowtowing to monopolies like Uber and Amazon, because there doesn't seem to be any other competition or way of getting what you need, this might be the website for you. I believe it was Ronald Reagan who told the citizenry of America that there was power in voting with your feet, meaning that if you were to move to a place that reflected your values more, or even was closer to you and your values on the spectrum, that your vote would, would count more, would have more power. So say you're a liberal in Florida right now, your vote's not going to do you a lot of good. But if you were to move to a purple state like Michigan or Wisconsin, you would have more of a say, you have more of a voice. This is that advice, but applied to a business model. So instead of voting with your feet, you're voting with your dollars. You're not rewarding companies like Amazon or like Uber and others because your voice is being stifled by their billions of dollars and their liberal political stances. Now, it may be tougher to find certain products. It may not be as cheap. But you'll know where your money is going and that the products you buy aren't lower in price due to slave labor, deals with China, or other nefarious activities that I'll leave only to our imaginations. It should be an eye-opening episode. I've met Michael a few times. I've interviewed him, like I said, for an article. And I find his idea fascinating, original, and to be blunt, it can't come fast enough. So let's not waste any more time, and let's get down to business. Pun fully intended. Have you heard you can listen to your favorite news podcasts ad-free? Good news. With Amazon Music, you have access to the largest catalog of ad-free top podcasts, included with your Prime membership. To start listening, download the Amazon Music app for free. Or go to Amazon.com slash ad-free news podcasts. That's Amazon.com slash ad-free news podcasts to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. All right, folks, we have a special guest with us here today, Michael Seifert. He is the CEO of Public Square. Michael, thank you so much for joining us. I appreciate it, Nick. Thanks so much for having me on. 
Oh, it's an honor to have you on, man. You've done something that's very unique in the public space and in the internet itself in that you've given people an idea, it seems, of what is behind the dollars that fund these big companies. So tell me a little bit about what makes Public Square unique and why you did it. Well, I'd be happy to. You know, a decade ago, I started to witness that there was this emerging unaddressed market. And what I mean by that is that there was a massive market niche in the United States that was becoming overlooked marginalized, and that is conservative America. So if you are someone that loves your country, loves the Constitution, believes more traditional values uh, or family values, you could word them, if you are in that demographic, especially middle America, many Christians fall into this category, or Judeo-Christian people that have that sort of worldview, if you're in that demographic today, there are very few companies that are talking to you in their advertising or how they spend their money, their corporate donations, etc. So Recent examples, obviously, are Bud Light, Nike. We've seen a push from some of the banks to make moves toward embracing progressive virtue signaling. And I'm in this demographic that's felt overlooked. So as company after company after company continues to embrace this sort of what I would perceive as anti-classic American values messaging, it's left people like me wondering, where the heck could I go to spend money with companies that don't hate me? Because I'm tired of feeling like I'm being lectured about gender ideology when I'm trying to buy a cup of coffee. It's becoming too much. And so as the market has become further and further politicized, it's left me hungering for coffee shops, banks, financial institutions, insurance providers, a dry cleaner that I know will not lecture me about progressive political issues. And if anything, will actually give me a sense of sort of patriotism because I'm supporting small businesses that make our country special. And I had this idea sort of for a while, but it really became needed and necessary in a way like I've never seen in covid So when, and I'll finish with this, governments started coming out and saying across the country in different state and municipal governments started saying, hey, these businesses are essential and these ones are unessential or they're non-essential. And what would make a business essential had more to do with their political views than it did on the actual services they were providing. So when a liquor store could stay open, but a church couldn't, for me, it was like, okay, I'm seeing the politicization of our marketplace in a way that's becoming incredibly detrimental. And it's almost like if you want to succeed as a business today, you got to just embrace the same sort of virtue signaling messages of the regime of the day. And I think that's a problem. And so in January of 2021, set out to create a website and mobile app called Public Square that would help consumers that fit this sort of demographic that I'm a part of, which, by the way, we believe over 100 million Americans are a part of, uh, a website and app that would help that cohort of Americans, the largest unaddressed market in the world, shop with companies that would align with a set of core values that would help us know that we're not funding companies that stand opposed or antithetical to our belief system. That was in January 2021 that I had the idea. We launched an initial version in San Diego County, a regional launch, in September of 2021. And then July 4th of 2022, we had a nationwide launch of Public Square, publicsq.com on the web, but Public Square on the App Store, Google Play. We had a nationwide launch 10 months ago, July 4th of 2022. And since then, we've become the largest marketplace in the world of values-aligned businesses and consumers. Over 50,000 vendors on the platform. We've had millions of business and consumer interactions. Uh, it's, it's truly been a phenomenal experience because there's trust implemented in every transaction. So CEO and founder of that company, publicsq.com, we're just getting started and we're trying to take back the country with the power of commerce. 
Do you sell ad space or is it a program or a, like you pay for access at a paywall membership site or does it have another source of revenue that funds it? How does it work for the consumer that wants to access it and join? We wanted to make sure from the beginning that this was a free experience for all. We knew that if we wanted to reach the scale of an Amazon, which we have every intent to reach, if we wanted to reach that sort of shopping scale, we would have to make this a freemium model where people can come into the door for free. We had seen some other sites try to do somewhat similar things, uh, but they required you to pay. And for us, that just didn't feel right. And it felt like you'd be inhibited from reaching critical mass. And we truly want this to be a platform that's accessible to all. So we said, you know what, let's make it free for the consumers, free for the businesses. And then let's prove to the business owners that they're going to get more traffic through this platform than they even would through Facebook or Google or whatever else they're using. And then they'll want to pay for increased advertising exposure. Thankfully, our bet paid off. So today, for example, we've got over a thousand clothing companies on the app. Well, if you want to be sorted in the top of those clothing companies, you bid for your advertising similar to other platforms. Only what's great is it's a subscription-based ad platform uh, um, fee, so we don't have to sell user data to make money, and that's really, really important. I am a consumer who has felt very trust-abused by many of the big tech platforms, and so we wanted to make sure that people would know with a blessed assurance their data is protected. We make our money because we sell subscription ad packages that do not require us to sell individualized data. Instead, uh, we have flat fees depending on the level of exposure they'd like. And that leads to a lot of revenue for us. And then we have some other revenue channels as well. But this has allowed for our business to thrive uh, in a commerce market with a lot of competition. But the good news is the competition is all trying to talk to the same 10% of the country with all this progressive virtue signaling. They've left the third largest GDP in the entire world unreached. And we get to go and reach uh, that, that cohort with a lot of excellence. That's our goal. In your research and in your work, having to experience the behind the scenes efforts of these companies to dig into them to see if this bank or this company does invest in woke things like SVB before its collapse was doubling down on social justice investments. Uh, what would you say the split is? Is it still 80-20 where many of these companies, if we were to go on and look, are going to be progressive, are going to be social justice driven? Or would someone like me or another user be surprised to find that there are actually more companies growing that aren't interested in preaching and destroying your life if you don't agree with them? That's a really good clarifying question. Every single one of the vendors on our platform, all 50,000 plus, are anti-woke. So they are not progressive. So they are not bought into the ESG and DEI cult. In fact, to even be on the platform, you have to uh, be vetted in alignment with our five company core values. And so what's great is that while Nike and Starbucks and Bank of America and Wells Fargo, which by the way, Wells Fargo is off the deep end, they've adopted very racist policies again as it relates to mortgages. And they got hit for that 20 years ago, but the other way, now they're doing it against white people. And I mean, it's just a total mess. This is why you cannot focus on this social engineering, you got to focus on meritocracy. And so we're really grateful that all the companies on our platform believe in meritocracy, believe in the classical principles of the United States, believes that we're all equal. And that's a really important differentiating factor from an economy that has become so focused on equity instead of equality, so focused on social engineering instead of meritocracy, so focused on uh, the prioritization of progressive policies over providing quality products and services to their customers. That's been the move over the past decade from shareholder capitalism. That's what the economy used to be based on. It was shareholder capitalism. The only goal of a company is to provide maximum 
value to its shareholders and its consumers. That's all that mattered. Today, the economy has shifted with things like ESG and DEI into stakeholder capitalism, which focuses on external stakeholders. That's what the World Economic Forum calls these folks. So they mean climate change. So an external stakeholder that our businesses should focus on, quote unquote, is climate change or gender ideology or these different external stakeholders that the World Economic Forum believes should matter to our business. We fundamentally disagree. We believe in the classical principles of American enterprise that are grounded in shareholder capitalism, not progressive stakeholder capitalism that has taken its toll in the United States. You mentioned Silicon Valley Bank, $73 million to BLM, while they can't even cover their deposits. Like, are you kidding me? The economy has dropped the ball. We have lost sight of the ultimate goals. And in the process, there's such a lack of trust in our institutions anymore. We're trying to bring things back to basics and highlight a list of over 50,000 vendors that are small businesses that make our nation special that will shift the economy back to the principles that made us special and prosperous in the first place. Do you think that shift is a longer game in that it'll take a few decades? Or do you think the backlash has become so bad from their mistakes that they won't bail out these companies anymore? They won't protect them from a government bully pulpit? Or is that going to take like it did with cable news, you know, a decade or two to kind of die out slowly and then the internet came in? Does this shift to you seem like it's going to happen fast because of how big the demand is? Or is this something that's going to take time and you kind of got to chip away at it? I think it's a bit compartmentalized, depending on the industry, depending on the sector. But I think overall, it is really important we recognize this is a battleship, and it takes a long time to turn a battleship. Truthfully, we have to give we have to give the stakeholder capitalism ESG believers credit because they built their ideology over four decades. You know, you, there, are, there are traces of this sort of you know we 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 use this comment of woke capitalism. I mean, there are traces of this back in the 1980s. And so when we look back and we see how some of these socially progressive principles made their way into the economy, it happens slowly, but surely, gradually, then suddenly. And so I think what we have to recognize is that if, if you love your country, you love the Constitution, you want things to go back to normal, that it's not going to happen overnight. I have a lot of people that reach out pretty regularly and they say things like, you know what, I really want to do this and I'm trying. It's just so hard. Like they own our laptops and our phones and our cars, etc. And our, and our simple rebuttal to that is, hey, I totally get it. But you have to recognize that we're never going to be able to create high quality alternatives to our laptops and our phones and these different things unless we start somewhere. We have to decouple from China. We've got a lot of work to do on fostering American enterprise. And that starts with you purchasing your cup of coffee from a company that doesn't hate you. If you can prioritize your local economy, for example, that makes waves in the macroeconomic world. Sometimes we just don't see that. But here's examples that it's working already. You see Anheuser-Busch going through the issues they're going through. And the CEO in shambles because their sales of Bud Light have dropped 26% from this time last year. Distributors are getting hosed. It's not working. They're realizing that. Vanguard, even in the financial and wealth management world, Vanguard, one of the largest financial institutions in the world, last month said they're done with ESG. They're done. They took a bad bet on an ideology that led to destruction and less value for their shareholders, so they're pulling back. We're seeing a lot of wins We've just got to recognize with the long game in mind that this battleship's going to take a while to turn and it's going to take a mass consumer movement to get there. All right, folks, before we continue to explore the beauty of the free market with Michael here, we're going to take a quick commercial break, but don't go anywhere. We're going to be right back with some more Brace for Impact. 
Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows VR training platforms like ForgeFX help students master their skills. There's a big learning curve with welding. Virtual reality simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Welcome back. This is your host, Nick Jeeves. As promised, we have a few more truth bombs headed your way. So strap in. Please keep your hands and feet inside the cockpit at all times as we get ready to brace for impact. Now, it seems from my interview with you for the website and from what you're saying now, and I'll ask you point blank straight up, is it your goal is one of the visions down the road to have it be like an Amazon, to have it be so well oiled and such a well oiled machine that it is just as much an Amazon as Amazon.com? Is that what you're moving toward or do you have other kind of things in mind that branch off when you're looking towards the future for the company? I'd point out two distinctions between us, even in our fullness a decade from now is an Amazon. And that number one is that Amazon is really like 30 different companies. So when we say Amazon, we're not necessarily speaking so much to the AWS and the internet infrastructure, server hosting, etc. We are speaking to some elements of the fulfillment, but not all of them. You know, there are a lot of different businesses in one. Uh, That's the first distinction I make. We really focus on combating the shopping capabilities of the Amazon platform as we continue to move forward in the future. The other distinction I would make is that Amazon has really become a network of nameless, faceless brands. Nobody likes, regardless of political or cultural ideology, nobody likes or feels good shopping with Amazon. We do it because of convenience, but we know that they're selling out workers, they're utilizing foreign labor, they're, they're, lecturing, us about, uh, they're lecturing us about election integrity. Meanwhile, when their branch in New York tries to unionize and uses mail-in ballots to do it, Amazon corporate says it's fraudulent because you can't trust mail-in ballots. So it's like they've become such a corrupted company. For us, what we're going to offer to the market as a distinction to Amazon is actually a far more intentional focus toward sound principles and quality of products. Brands that have a story to tell, you feel like you get to know the owner. 90% of the businesses on our platform are small businesses make less than 30 million a year in revenue. So uh, we have an opportunity to foster a sense of community that Amazon does not have. And so rather than convenience being the end all be all for us, it will truly be, you know, connection and trust. You got to have that trust to conduct a transaction that you can feel good about. Eventually when that trust erodes, you have nothing left. Um, and so we're, those are the big two areas of distinction. We believe that our, our future is very bright uh, as it relates to the rollout of our own products and selling them back into our marketplace, making sure that we're meeting the needs of our consumers. I'm not a super intelligent guy. I, I, I like to solve simple problems. There's a simple problem right now. A lot of companies hate me. So wanted to create a list of ones that don't. Like it's that simple. And when we can continually streamline the process to accessing and shopping with those companies that don't hate me uh, or consumers like me, 100 million plus of us, uh, we'll know that we're, we're really in the sweet spot. Yeah, I'm a movie nerd, so your work brings to mind a scene where uh, a lawyer tells another powerful lawyer, it's a mistake to stick your eyes in the most powerful people in the city. Do you ever get any backlash or warnings or anything related to basically step off, stop this effort? Have you received any kind of, not threats per se, but has anyone come and tried to discourage your efforts or, or get in your face about what you're trying to do? Absolutely. We've had corporate entities attempt that. We've had uh, some institutions that you'd actually know pretty well. Uh, we've had journalists do that. But what's great, I'll paint to an example. Uh, there was a, an article released in the early days, and we learned that, wow, all publicity may really be good publicity here for us. 
uh, because in the early days, San Diego Union Tribune, which is a pretty large newspaper, wrote a piece about us, and it was during COVID when we were first launching in San Diego, and they said that, that we were a threat to public health because the businesses on our platform would not infringe upon the rights of their consumers. So they would not force masks or vaccines. And this is right around that time that that started rolling out. Regardless of people's opinions on the matter, we just believe that people should be able to make the choice. And so did our businesses. And so when we stated that pretty clearly and explicitly, we were called a threat to public health. What was fascinating, though, that piece was released on the front page of San Diego Union Tribune. Their digital publication was everywhere. That morning at 6 a.m., by 7 in the morning, we had already had the greatest level of traffic we'd ever had to date because people said what we hoped they would say, which is like, wait, these people are speaking common sense. The journalist is the one in the wrong. Like, this is ridiculous. We'd love to join this community. They seem happier over there. And I like freedom, and I like these values. Like, we're going to go do that. We don't brand ourselves as a Republican. We don't brand ourselves as, uh, we don't even brand ourselves as conservative. Actually, if you go to publicsq.com, you'll see our values and what we stand for. These are things that the United States used to believe. I like to say that I'm, I'm not a political guy. I'm a normal person from 2006. It's just the, comp- the country left me behind. And same with the companies that kind of hold the megaphone these days. And so any publicity that we get or pushback, because we have got it. I mean, we had a bank threaten to cancel us. It's it's there's no shortage of that at the end of the day though there's such strength in numbers and the community that's been established now you can't cancel all of us and uh because of that we've been able to find vendors that we can partner with um providers that can help us with different elements of our business that we know have our back even if they don't necessarily agree with us fully like they're committed to the same freedoms that we're trying to push so it's it's been one of those situations where every time we've get gotten hit it's only made us stronger and so I know you're busy, so we'll only ask you maybe one or two more major questions. But I want to ask you about the stress of it, because we're in this unprecedented time in almost every business, especially for businesses like yours, like the media, like banking. They've all seemingly taken this track off on a tangent. It's not American. It's not what we were built on. And it's the stress of it. Some people are being thrown in jail. Some people are having their lives threatened now. It's the spiritual warfare. How do you still maintain the closeness to your company and yet not have a stressful breakdown? Do you have anything that you lean on that gives you strength, that keeps you going in the fight, that gives you hope for the company? What do you go to when it, it gets dark? Well, you just very correctly pointed out that this is more than just a political thing. This is a cultural and a spiritual battle. That's what I believe. I believe that there's something deep, deeper happening here, that there's truly a good versus evil tear. And um, that, that extends past political boundaries, that extends past cultural boundaries. There's something far deeper happening. So I'm a man of faith. So prayer is, is the thing that keeps me alive and sane and joyful because I really am joyful. Like we like to say on our staff that we have a joyful resilience about the road ahead. Um, we need it. We need the resilience part, but we also can't get nihilistic. We can't get cynical. Like we have to believe in a better future or else what the heck are we even doing? So I, I say that that's a big component of our drive. The other thing is when we have new staff join us, and we do, we're growing fast, and so we've been on a hiring spree. When we have staff join us, um, I'm very honest with uh, a, a simple statement. If you're looking for comfort, if you're looking for ease, if you're looking for flexibility and relaxation, uh, you should not work for us. <laughs> but... If you're looking for purpose, 
if you're looking for drive, if you're looking for innovation, and if you're looking for the blessed assurance when you go to bed at night and rest your head on the pillow that you are making a difference, there's not a better company in the world to work for. So we have, uh, we've got a lot of challenges ahead of us. We've had a lot of challenges behind us. I've certainly aged in two years, but I've done it joyfully. And uh, I think that that's the hallmark of our movement. We cannot let cynicism destroy us. Uh, that would be our downfall. And that's exactly what kind of the tyrants and authoritarians in society, that's what they want. They want us to lose our joy because with it, we'll lose our hope for a better future. We fundamentally refuse to end up in that position. So I just had our, uh, my wife and I just had our first baby six months ago. And uh, thank you. Thank you. It has brought the uh, world very micro for me. You know, I used to do this because we want to save the country and all the things we're talking about. Still important, but deeper than all of that, the reason uh, the reason I want to do what we want to do here is for my daughter and for the next generation, the generations after that, and for our teammates and their kids and their neighborhoods and their communities. I mean, it, it's become so micro. It has to start there. If one person feels like their life is better changed because they have relationships in the economy based upon trust and shared values now, like it was all worth it. And I think that attitude has kept us going. You're on an amazing road. We're going to keep following you and keep covering you every chance we get because I think you're doing something that needs to be done for the country. And I just want to end on one last one. I always ask my guests this question. Do you have a, a movie or a book or a quote or a, a person from the past that you especially aspire to or look up to or like to go back to when you need to just disconnect or something that brings you inspiration that uh, anyone else could go watch if they wanted to on, on your recommendation? That's a great uh, question. I will say this. I will say I have a long-form recommendation, and that's a book by a guy named Paul Johnson called Modern Times. It's about 800 pages long, so it's a read, but it has so informed so much of what we're doing today. And uh, if you want to understand how we ended up where we ended up today, uh, Modern Times is an incredible book to read. I highly recommend. So Modern Times by Paul Johnson. It's a read. Take a few months and knock it out, but it's an amazing book. And then I, I think that I would say on top of that, there's a quote, I believe it was Benjamin Franklin, who said, those who changed the world were the ones who, crazy, who were crazy enough to believe that they could. Uh, I may be paraphrasing, but that's something that I've been relying on a lot recently. There's a million reasons that we should never have started this company. Too many roadblocks, too many obstacles, uh, a lot of headwind. We're trying to pioneer something first to market, all of these different things that should have stopped us. But we were genuinely crazy enough to believe that this is possible. And thankfully, uh, we've achieved a lot, but we're just getting started. So if you want to change the world, you have to be crazy enough to believe that you can. And if you want some long form reading, if you've got some cross the world plane flights or something nearing uh, Modern Times by Paul Johnson, great read. That's awesome. Thank you so much for sharing with us, Michael. I know you're busy, so we appreciate you taking the time. And we look forward to seeing where this company goes in the future because God knows we need it now. So we'll be praying for you and we'll be keeping you in our thoughts. And we wish you the best of luck going forward. Amen, Nick. Thank you so much, man. Appreciate it. All right, everybody. We're almost there. We're almost to the end. Hang in there. We got one more quick break and then we're coming back to wrap it up. VR training platforms like the one developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International are helping surgeons train over and over before operating on real patients. As you practice each skill, the muscle memory starts to develop. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. All right, welcome back, folks. This is a, a very important topic that Michael and I discussed because it is going to outline the future of commerce and business in America. Who could have known that back in the 90s, like 1999, I saw a picture of Jeff Bezos sitting with Jay Leno, for those of you that are younger that might be listening, 
that don't know who Jay Leno is, he was the host of The Tonight Show before Conan and Jimmy Fallon. And you can see back then he had hair, so obviously it was a long time ago. But who could have known that a book service, which was at Amazon began as, could have grown into something so gigantic that took over our lives. And it's not just that it delivers products of every sort now, but it has its own streaming service. It has its own Hollywood propaganda arm. So it makes it difficult sometimes when you hit click, or rather you click the button on your computer and you, you hit buy, you hit send to me, but you're not seeing the deeper level. You're not seeing that that company is taking your money. And I've done it too, by the way. I'm not going to pretend like I'm holier than thou. I've used Amazon. I've used Uber. And in some cases, they get the job done. They do. However, Michael has shined a light on the fact that they take advantage of foreign labor. They are in bed with the government. They do not support free speech. They do not like any type of thinking that comes from the center-right or the libertarian view. It's this social justice, left-wing ideology or nothing. That's created a very tense situation among consumers now because I've seen people go into a coffee shop because it says Black Lives Matter, and I've seen people turn around and walk out because there was a sign that said Black Lives Matter. So I can't say there's data to show that political preaching is good or bad for business, because obviously these companies are still in business. But I will say that don't be fooled into thinking there aren't alternatives. And don't also be shamed into thinking you can't stand up for what you believe in, or that you can't use your dollars in a way that supports what you believe. Or at the very least, find out which companies are taking your money that you're giving them and using it, turning around and investing in things that you wouldn't go near in a million years. I mean, Solyndra went bankrupt as a famous green energy big fail. If I had known back then that certain companies or banks or big businesses were turning around and investing in projects like that, not only would I worry for the solvency of the company or for the bank where my money's being kept, but I would feel bad in my soul that the money I was giving, even if I was getting something in return, was being used to push narratives and ideas and ways of thinking that I felt were destructive. And Michael talked about that. He said that there is now a hunger for coffee shops, financial institutions, hell, even a dry cleaning business that won't lecture you on political issues. I also know there are certain places you can tell when you walk in, here's a good one for you, any place that still has a sign up that says you're required to wear a mask to come into this building is probably going to lean left, or it's probably going to be in line with the government or in line with strict COVID monitoring and forced vaccination. And you may not want to give your cash over to those people. I don't care what it is. I, I saw it today at a doctor's office and I got to tell you, I, I didn't like the vibes. And I left and I said, you know, I'll think about it. I didn't like the way that they were approaching it. Now, who knows? Maybe Public Square has a medical facility or a medical business that will take my appointment and won't preach to me. And there's also no shame in being patriotic. The company doesn't just have to not invest in liberal causes. There's something to be said for being proud of America. A lot of consumers love that in their companies. They want that in their companies. Just as much as these corporations think flying a gay pride flag 
is a good thing. Why shouldn't we look at businesses and try to patron businesses that fly an American flag? So that's what Michael's trying to do. He's trying to take back what was once a free market, and it's turning into this hybrid of government-supported, government-sanctioned monopolies. And that's not American. Competition is American. The best innovative idea, the best financial return, that is what's supposed to judge what stays open and what doesn't. And they're afraid of that. I'm not saying Amazon's going to close tomorrow because they have a bad business model. They're actually a great business. These two businesses, Uber and Amazon, the two big ones everybody thinks of, they have good business models. It's just, it's an unfair setup when they start preaching to you and you want to go to another company. And these big corporations are working hand in hand with the government to make sure that places like Public Square or companies that would compete with them do not exist. So Michael getting it out there into the public space, giving people an option, letting them know that there are, in fact, workable banks, workable apps, things that won't crash on you, but that also won't preach to you. So I admire that he's doing this. I think it's something that, as he said, there were a lot of setbacks and they launched nationwide about 10 months ago. So they're still getting their feet wet. But keep an eye on them because eventually everybody gets sick of getting preached to. There's going to come a limit for a lot of people. And there's already been millions of voices that have come forward and said, this is ridiculous. It's not what we want. I remember when Bud Light used to run ads called Real Men of Genius. And that was brilliant. Those are the funniest ads. And you know what's funny? It wasn't just geared toward men. I knew women that laughed at those and loved them. Today we salute you, Mr. Male Football Cheerleader. Mr. Male Football Cheerleader. That was the goal, getting you to laugh, getting you to smile, getting you to feel comfortable with the product, and then leaving it up to you after that. Do you want to buy it or not? Not virtue signaling and showing how woke we are and then hoping that the rest of the market ignores it, gets pressured into it, or doesn't see the commercial. That's craziness. So I'm here to say on behalf of the millions of people that didn't like Dylan Mulvaney and Bud Light and don't need to see a rainbow pride flag on every coffee shop they walk into, you're not doing the right thing. If you want to stay open long-term, there is going to be a backlash and there is going to be, I think, a big push for people to tell their businesses, listen, just do the service that I'm asking of you. Just do what's required of you. I don't need a pamphlet. I don't need to be shamed. I don't need to be guilted. I don't need to be given the stink eye when I walk in because you don't like the cut of my jib. It could be anything, uh, gay, straight, black, white, but money is always green. And they've forgotten that. I find it very ironic, too, that these companies have gone so far left because they've made their money billions off right-wing ideology, off capitalism. And now to make this major shift as if no one notices that for years they've been against these policies or neutral or mute, which I still think is the better way to go, the middle path here, mute. It's as if they've been doing it for 100 years. Oh, we've been gay rights supporters for 100 years. We're, we're all about trans activism. We're, we're all about green energy. We're all about, really? Where were you at the forefront of these things when saying this would have put you out of business? They were quiet or they were saying whatever they had to to make money. Now that they have the money, I can't explain their motives, but I can certainly tell you that they're not the only game in town. 
And with Michael's help and Public Square's help, hopefully more businesses and people connect to find alternatives so that we don't have to live under the thumb of 10 companies for the rest of our lives here in the United States. So please keep listening. Go to publicsquare.com. That's P-U-B-L-I-C-S-Q.com. Please like, share, and subscribe the episodes of Brace for Impact if you like what you're hearing. You can find most of them on Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, and you can also find every episode. I post all of them on my personal Twitter account, and that is N as in Nick, Jeevas, G-I, V as in Victor, A-S, D-C. So that's N, Jeevas, D-C. Thank you so much for joining us. Please join us again next week. We're going to have some great episodes coming down the pipe. We got Chanel Rion from OAN coming on, Larry Elder. And in a couple of weeks, we got country music singer John Rich. So it's a great lineup. It's exciting. We're still pushing. We're still trying to get it out there. So please reshare episodes, reshare posts, and let us know. Give us feedback. We always want to know what people want, what people think. And we hope that companies like Michael's continue to take off because it's long overdue. Take care, and we'll see you back here soon.